It's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our theme music is Fruit of the Louvre, provided by flick composer-producer Howard Eddy. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Program. Have you lost your job and your health care coverage due to COVID-19? You're not alone, and Genesee Health Plan can help. I called, and they provided health care enrollment over the phone with Medicaid, HealthCare.gov, and Genesee Health Plan. They made sure I had access to doctor visits, my prescriptions, and more. Getting health care coverage can be confusing. You don't have to do it alone. Get help with GHP. Call 844-232-7740 or go to GeneseeHealthPlan.org. We're in this together, and together we'll get right through now, it. the COVID-19 vaccine are available to millions of Americans and soon they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, the hugger and see her on her birthday. You know I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Ranger Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people, and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Tom Sumner. we got a good one in store today. Coming up in the third half of our three-hour tour, we're going to talk with um, writer Lindsay Meerbaum, who is uh, she's a Michigan-based writer who has just released her debut novel called The Gold Persimmon. But uh, coming up before that, in the middle, as I call it, the uh, uh, second hour of our three-hour tour, we're going to have back-to-back conversations with editors from National Geographic. First, we'll talk to senior editor and writer Allison Johnson about a uh, new Nat Geo release called A Thousand Perfect Weekends. And then we're going to follow that up with uh, Nat Geo's editor-in-chief, Susan Goldberg, talking about the biggest book on the Nat Geo fall list is the is called The 21st Century Photos from the Image Collection. But first, we're going to talk uh, this uh, first hour about transforming your organization to create breakthrough performance and employee well-being as laid out in a new book called Unfear by uh, co-authors uh, Gaurav Batnagar and uh, Mark Manukas of uh, Co-Creation Partners, and they join me by phone. Um, 
Mark uh, Goroff, welcome to the show. Thanks, Tom. Good to be here. Um, Thank you. I was reading something. Fear and uncertainty have been undermining performance and well-being in the workplace for as long as we've had workplaces. I remember feeling this myself and, and being aware of others. A lot of people are terrified of saying, I don't know. And they spend a lot of time bluffing their way through meetings with their bosses and co-workers because they just don't want to admit that they don't know something. What are some other fears that get in people's way at, in the workplace? Wow, that's, uh, that's quite a big question, Tom. Um, I think it, it spans every, every human fear, really. I mean, I, I think they, they boil down to, you know, fear of loss, fear of not belonging, fear of rejection, fear of looking foolish, fear of not feeling like you're, you're competent, feeling, you know, fear of feeling like you're, you're not worthy of love and respect. Now, these are some of the, the deep fears that we all share as, as human beings. They're just part of the human condition. And a lot of times we you know, sort of move through life and you know, almost pretend that those fears don't exist, particularly in um, a business setting where we're meant to project this persona of you know, competence and, and strength. But you know, deep down, we're all experiencing this to, to some degree. Um, and this applies to anybody and an organization, whether it's the CEO all the way down to, uh, you know, the, the frontline workers. And so this is just a, a universal experience that we all share, and how we relate to it is, is what makes the, uh, all the, the difference, really. Was that Gorov? This was Mark, yeah. Gorov, did you want to say something? Yeah, I mean, the, so I think, uh, Tom, what Mark said is exactly right. The only thing I would add is, Surprisingly enough, I find that senior people in organizations tend to have a bunch of fears as well. And, and you know, being the CEO of a company is a very lonely place because you can't share it with anyone. And the single biggest fear I've heard CEOs talk about is the, is the imposter syndrome, which is someone will find out that actually they shouldn't be the CEO, which is really interesting. Haven't we always sort of operated under the um, belief that that somehow by building our self-confidence, whether it's it's us personally or coworkers or uh, CEOs, um, that we check our fears at the door? Yeah, I think that's. I think this is part of the challenge that we try to address in the book, Tom, which is, you know, people have this false belief that you either need to use fear to create, <clears throat> you know, performance. You know, if you create stress in yourself or other people, you know, that's what gets people to strive and to push and to, to achieve. Or you believe that you need to sort of check your fears at the door and, and you know, project this level of, of confidence and just suppress whatever fear might be there or eliminate it. Um, and we think that's a false choice. I think the you know fear is just part of the human condition, and if we can recognize it as as such, it's neither good or bad, but it's how we relate to it. And if you can see fear as as you know a, a signal that there's something for you to learn, 
you can relate to it in a much different way. You can show up in a much more creative, sort of easy place. And you know, so self-confidence from that place of, hey, fear is okay, but I'll, I'll relate to it um, you know, in a way that, that signals learning and growth. That's what makes the difference. Gaurav, I don't know if you want to add something there, but that's, you know, I, my sense is, you know, self-confidence is, you know, a, we have to define it in, in the right way. Well, yeah, that's where I was going to start. Uh, I, think, I think people often see strength as the opposite of fear. I think strength is, 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 is the power of to be vulnerable. And as to what you said, Tom, right at the beginning, is to be vulnerable and to be able to say, I don't know. And I need, I need to collaborate with others to make things happen. In, in the workplace, historically, um, people have been afraid to uh, be seen as underperforming by their colleagues and by the leaders of that organization. And I, I, I'm, I'm wondering how easily, and, and well, let me, let me also add that, and that fear has been used to manipulate goal setting and performance and standards and quality management and all aspects of business operation can self-confidence and or encouragement replace that model? Mm -hmm. Bob, should I take this one? Go for it. Uh, so, so I think that is the classic dilemma of fear, Tom, which is on the one hand, fear actually does drive short-term performance. And on the other hand, Fear is the single biggest source of waste in organizations because it completely destroys collaboration. It doesn't allow people to speak up the, day, the way they should. It often impacts strategy in a short-term way and so on and so forth. And we are not proposing that, that doing this work is, is actually going to be easy, but it is a new model and a fundamentally different philosophy of work that when 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 it is implemented in organizations drives both performance and well-being but it starts with a very interesting idea which is that people are not problems to be fixed and that we as human beings have all the potential in the world that we need it's, it's a little bit like when michelangelo said i saw an angel in the stone and said to carve it free the angel is already in the stone. The angel is already there in human beings. The potential is there. And it's about removing all the unnecessary stuff for that potential to shine through. And when leaders in organizations and, and employees understand that potential, that's when you truly, truly unlock performance. And my belief is that as we move forward, all the various different competitive advantage conversations that have been had about organizations are gone and the only competitive advantage that is left is unlocking potential of human beings which cannot be unlocked with fear it can only be unlocked when you transform that relationship to fear to find learning um, and, and and performance from it well let me let me ask you this there's a, a an old turnaround in uh, politics when when people ask why do politicians always use negative advertising and, and the response comes back because it works? Um, yeah. Does 
manipulation through fear work and is that why it continues to sort of be the norm not just in business but in parenting and other aspects of life yeah i mean i i think that's the tricky thing i think it works in the short term um and it works in certain systems where you know there's certain incentive structures so you know like the political system here certainly works on the you know the election cycle and just the way you know that that's all structured in organizations it works in the short term to create performance but it also creates a tremendous amount of burnout and and stress and you know i think what we're seeing with the great resignation that's that's going on right now is you know people are saying look i don't want that level of stress anymore and people are searching for a new work environment that that is more satisfying so i think you know, each organization needs to figure out for themselves, do you want to, you know, motivate people through fear or do you want to create a different environment that, you know, isn't fear-driven but, you know, still gets people to stretch and to achieve and to do great things but just from a, a place of, you know, deeper, you know, wisdom and self-confidence. Yeah. But it's a challenge. Yeah. Yeah. And and I'd like to, you know, um, this, is, this is one of those things that I'm really passionate about and maybe, uh, maybe to a detriment but, <laughs> it all depends on how you define success, right? So if we look at, at politics today, I think the country I would submit is more divided today because of that fear politics. If we look at our planet, uh, the planet is, in, uh, is not necessarily in a sustainable place because of the fear approach that businesses have had to how we exploit resources. If you think about employee management relationships, those are pretty dysfunctional. So ultimately, in the short run, when we, when we are narrowly focusing on the short run and end objective, which is narrowly defined, sure, fear can drive for something. But in, in the grand scheme of things, it is actually fundamentally against what we're all trying to achieve, how we're trying to connect, how we're trying to be, and what we're trying to make happen. Yeah, and the other, the other tricky thing about fear is in order for it to continue to work, you have to continue to ratchet up the volume because people kind of become numb to, you know, the, the baseline level of fear. And I think we're seeing that in the political world where, you know, politicians are having to ramp up, you know, the, the rhetoric and the, the fear mongering in order to get a response out of people and to keep them energized. There's a great, that can only go on for so long. There's a yeah. great joke about that. Two politicians are... Uh yelling at each other and one says to the other are you lying to me he says yeah but hear me out um, <laughs> i need to take a short break here uh mark and, and uh, Gorov. can you stick around for a few minutes so we can talk about this some more absolutely we'll be here that would be great my guests are from co-creation partners Gorov batnagar or batnagar and uh, Mark Manukas, and we're going to let our broadcast partners squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some messages as well. So don't touch that dial. Don't click that mouse. We'll talk more about uh, creating breakthrough performance um, as talked about in uh, the book Unfear when we return. Hello out there, everybody. It's me, Tigger. T-I-double-G-R. That spells Tigger. And don't forget to remember to listen to Tom Sumner program on account of because he's so bouncy. <laughs> 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines, since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places, so be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe By from the Blue Hawaiians. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Ananick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air. Where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums. Where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses. And where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County. Where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at Michigan.org. 
This is Congressman Dan Kildee, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. And welcome back, everybody. We continue my conversation with the co-authors of a new book called Unfear, Transform Your Organization to Create Breakthrough Performance and Employee Well-Being. And they are from uh, co-creation partners, Gorov uh, Botnager and uh, Mark Manukas joining me by phone. Uh, Gaurav and uh, Mark, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around. Sorry to make you sit through all that. Hello? Well, that's weird. I can... uh well, that happens every once in a while. Welcome to live radio, folks. Perhaps they'll be able to hear me, even though I can't hear them, and disconnect and uh, recall so we can reestablish the connection and talk some more about this book, Unfear, Transform Your Organization to Create Breakthrough Performance and Employee Well-Being. Hopefully we'll hear back from uh, Garav Batnagar, or Bat. I got. I got to keep saying this to get it right. Gaurav uh, Batnagar. No, Gaurav Batnagar. There we go. I, th- I think I've got it. If I just remember it. And Mark Manukas. Um, Mark is. Uh, let me. Uh, let me get my notes while I'm waiting for them to call back. Mark is. Um, Mark is the managing partner of Co-Creation Partners and an engineer by training. He started his uh, uh, career in the Navy. And uh, Gaurav is the founder of Co-Creation Partners and has dedicated more than two decades to helping companies uh, thrive and achieve breakthrough performance since founding Co-Creation Partners in 2010. Well, let's see. I haven't. Uh, oh, I think I know what happened. I think the uh, I think the stream dropped briefly. So let me see if I can if I can do a call return thing. Let's see if that'll connect up to them, and we can continue our conversation. Hello. Hey, is this Mark? Yeah, stand by. Okay. And I think I have our guests back here on the phone. Um, and returning, uh, we have Gaurav Bhatnagar. Or Bhatnagar. I, I'm going to keep saying that till I get it right. Gaurav <laughs> Bhatnagar. And Mark I'm Manukas. still working on it, Tom, too. <laughs> Anyway, my apologies for the little glitch in the phone, uh, guys, as I as oh, I good. started to say coming out of the break. Uh, thanks for sticking around so we can talk some more, and sorry to make you sit yeah. through all that. All good. It's good to be here. Um, we were talking before the break just a little bit about fear and how it, it disrupts things, but I wanted to ask if you've found, are, are we somehow wired is it is it natural for us to try to use fear to motivate to motivate ourselves and others it is um you know we're wired for survival so you know fear is quite useful actually 
um, and you know it it helps keep us safe and it helps us survive. You know that's the sort of evolutionary you know basis of fear and fear based responses. I think the challenge is it doesn't always work, and so while we may have these patterns or these predispositions, and they help us in some ways, we often become blind to the ways in which those responses are no longer helping us or, or allowing us to be effective um, in certain situations or how it, they're undermining our well-being. So, you know, absolutely, it's a part of us, but we often don't engage with it very, very mindfully. And, and I just, think that's the essence of unfear is how to engage with it more mindfully. I just thought of a, uh, a fun book title, Fight or Flight in the Workplace. <laughs> that's, you just, that's the alternative title for our book exactly. well let's let's talk about the title for the book um unfear that's the first time i've seen the word um is is this an adverb gorb why don't you take this one sure so so first of all it doesn't exist in the english language it's, it's a word that we created because what we found tom was that uh that, that actually there is no, you know, there's no real word that allows us to present the thought that we wanted to present, because the idea was not to be fearless, because we've discussed, you know, fear is a natural part of who we are as human beings. So unfear, as a verb, is the ability to, to reframe our relationship to fear and find learning in, 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 in that situation. Uh, and then you can use it as an adjective or anything else, but fundamentally the idea is it's a verb, it's a doing thing that allows an individual, a team, and an organization to reframe its relationship to to the fear dynamic. Well, Gaurav, <laughs> I, I'm I'm going to scold you. It's it's you know first of all you have a hard name to pronounce and an accent. Now you're going to make up words on me. <laughs> yes. That, you know, you know that 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 what happens. That's uh, that's the job of us immigrants to keep keep challenging. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm teasing, of course, but um, <laughs> but but the idea is is to try and find a, a word that that says more perfectly what you're trying to talk about. And if one doesn't exist, create one, as the the title of this book does. Unfear, transform your organization to create breakthrough performance and employee well-being um and and on the cover this is kind of fun it it says uh transform your organization to create breakthrough performance and or and the or is crossed out employee well-being and uh mark was was that your last minute edit on the uh book yeah cover? i think it was certainly part of a collaboration but we uh you know, the, <laughs> the big idea we're trying to get across is that that fear dilemma that you know, we've, we've touched on where people and organizations feel like you can either use fear to get, get performance or you have to, you know, be fearless or suppress fear and support well-being. And we just see that as a, as a false choice. And so we, we kind of wanted to, you know, hint at that, that false dichotomy by, you know, using the or and, and scratching it off and putting the and in there because we believe it really is a both and uh, proposition if you can reframe you know, fear in the way that Gorb just described. Well, two fears that we that we do hear referred to a lot, and I just wonder where they fit on the um, uh, on the spectrum. Is 
fear of failure and fear of change. Mm-hmm. Where do those fit yeah. into the grand scheme of things? Yeah, so, uh, so they, you know, they're quite closely related to each other. Uh, on the fear of change, this is what I, I'll tell you. One of the things that we as human beings want uh, from a very emotional, visceral level is, is a need for certainty, right? And in fact, there's been a research recently done in the UK where they brought 100 people into a room and to 50 of them, they said, we, you are definitely going to get an electric shock. And to the other 50, they said, only half of you are going to get an electric shock. And Tom, any guesses who was most stressed out, which of the two groups? It, it was the group that, was, that, was, that had uncertainty about getting an electric shock. So we as human beings want certainty, and therefore we don't like change. And, and, but, but, and, and failure is a big, big one because... You know, ingrained in our cultural upbringing is this idea that failure is, is, is a bad thing and, and that there's no learning involved with it. But what I would love to talk about is that actually the real idea is not fear itself. It's the story we create around fear. It's, if I have a story about what failure means, that leads me to behave in a certain way. If I think fear, failure is an opportunity to grow, then I, then I embrace it. If I see failure as something bad, then I reject it and I collapse into my comfort zone. So, so these human beings, on the one hand, as Mark said, you know, we are, we are wired to, be, to have fear. But the other beautiful part of us as human beings is that we have this power of imagination through which we create stories. And the real work is to help people see that some stories are not as powerful as others. And we are in charge of creating the stories rather than the stories create us. You know, FDR famously said, we have nothing to fear but fear itself. Was he on to something? I think he was. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, yeah, maybe our addition to that um, would be, you know, the only thing we have to fear is a poor story about fear or an ineffective story about fear. It's really just the, you know, it's how we interpret our fears that is really the bigger difference. So in essence, fear can be good or bad depending on how we use it or react to it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, think, I think, Tom, on that one, it's the only time I would say don't get into that game is when it's related to our physical survival, right? So fear is good or bad, depending on how we use it, when it's emotional in nature, when there's no real physical threat involved with it. When your boss screams at you, you're not going to die. <laughs> then, absolute, right? Although they can, make bad, you, right? they can make you feel like it sometimes. Yeah, you can, but that's the point, right? If I get into a story at that point, oh my God, my life is finished and what is going to happen and all of that stuff, now you're not going to be able to use that fear effectively. But if you can put a pause in there and say, hmm, I wonder what is there for me to learn here in terms of how I engage with my boss, suddenly there's an opportunity to do something new and different. Yeah, and just to build on that too, you know, there's, you know, not to be overly simplistic about it, but there are real you know, survival-related fears that we have around work. You know, if you lose your job, for instance, 
what you know what might that say about you and and your your worth and your ability to make a living and you know make ends meet for your family so there are a lot of you know fears and stories we have around those fears but again you know if you can interpret those in you know those signals in different ways you may see that there's actually more opportunities that you have you know rather than having to play it safe at work maybe you can you know step into some of that discomfort and that fear um, and do something even more effective and thrive in that, that particular situation in a way you wouldn't otherwise. You know, so a lot of times people see the fears that they have and the stories around them, but they don't see necessarily the upside of, of facing that fear in a different way. And likewise, if you were to lose your job, you know, maybe there, that opens up all kinds of opportunities for you that you may not have had otherwise. And so just how you interpret those life events can uh, you know, shape how you face those life events and, and what you do and how you how you thrive or, or don't thrive. So, um, yeah, it's it's just, you know, these are real things that, that we experience in our life and just how we relate to them can make all the difference. Now, you talk in the book about how to, how to uh, become an unfear individual, but you also talk about how to build unfear, uh, unfear teams. Um, can you explain what, unfear means and how it relates to a person as an individual and to a group as a team? Yeah, absolutely. So one thing we talk about in, in the book is in order to really transform any system, you have to you have to do it inside out. You know, it's not enough to just change, you know, the processes or incentive structures in an organization or just change what the senior most leaders do. You really need to get a critical mass of people in an organization creating new stories around their fears and choosing for themselves what stories they want to step into. So we, we start with that individual level because it's, it's so fundamental to creating any sort of change, right? It's very difficult to, you know, create unfair teams, you know, that have a lot of trust and that are having really effective, difficult conversations. If the people who are showing up are only seeing threats, you know, anytime someone on their team has a different point of view or, you know, wants to do things that are a little bit different than them. So you have to change that threat story to an opportunity or learning story for these individuals. Then they can change how they relate to each other, and then that impacts how a whole system, you know, can can perform and how, you know, the, the well-being of the, the people in that system uh, as well. God, I don't know if you want to add anything to that, but there's, you know, we yeah. see it as sort of starting from the individual and moving out from there. Yeah, I think Tom. I think one of the big ideas is to to be an unfair individual. One of the big ideas is you have to move from being in a victim mindset to a mastery mindset. Because and and the idea of the victim mindset is when negative things and adversity happens to us, do we give up our power and our choice in terms of how we respond and just collapse into it and say, "Oh, poor us," and blame the situation? Or do we say, yes, bad things are happening, but we have the mastery of choice uh, to actually show up differently. So in put another way, people can scream at us, but how we feel about that screaming is in our control. And you cannot, unless you shift the people the way we think about our response, if we don't get into mastery with our response, nothing else is possible. And because an organization and a team is nothing but an addition of all the individuals. So one of the big ideas we have in the book is organizations don't transform individuals too. 
And when a critical mass of individuals transforms, the organization transforms by itself. And it's about how do I in my have changed my relationship to my environment and how do I show up in an unfair way? Well, and, and you suggest in the book, just to, to uh, flesh it out a little more, that uh, transformation really begins with mindsets and behavior, not with systems and structures. Do you, and, and you're both experts on high-performing organizations, can you think of or give some examples of organizations that that have gone through this transformation and, and how they're different from the way they used to be or maybe uh, a less enlightened organization? Sure. Uh, so I'll give, I, yeah, I'll give you an example of one, one of the one organization that we put in our book, uh, which is towards the end of the book, it's called, it's a chemical manufacturing company. And now, it's not the whole organization, but it is a specific uh, part of the organization, which is actually in Michigan, uh, and they're based in Wyandotte, Michigan. They're a chemical manufacturing plant, and in prior prior to the unfair process that they went through, it was it was a classic top-down hierarchical organization, and everything was being done to them, and therefore there was a sense of complacency in 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 that plant, in that chemical manufacturing plant. As we went through the process, it was amazing to see that how how the employees and then and then the plant workers took ownership of the transformation of the plant, and over a period of six years, uh, came up with over five hundred ideas for improvement, for safety improvement, for process improvement, for ideas for well-being, and all of those things that allowed that plant not only to, to, to you know, have a, an environment where people were super excited to come to work, but they actually ended up, uh, you know, creating performance improvements seven times what, you know, management would have imagined if they had just done it in their classic top-down way. And so it's all about unlocking the potential and the excitement of people and helping reminding them that they actually are the owners. Of, of of their life and and the, and the organization they work in. Before we uh, before we run out of time, um, Mark, can you tell us um, a little bit about co-creation partners? Yeah, absolutely. We're a we're a consulting firm um, based out of Connecticut, um, and we focus on uh, you know leadership effectiveness, culture change, and uh, strategy in organizations. And, you know, our, our aim is to help leaders really see how, you know, fear might be driving, you know, their organization and how to shift out of that, shift out of fear and into unfear and create breakthrough performance and, and employee well-being at the same time. So not just a short-term bump in improvement, but, uh, you know, long-term sustainable um, shift in how they, they operate. And that's, that's what we do. And we work with top uh, leadership and organizations all the way down to, to the front line to make that happen. And it's a, it's a high, high contact sort of sport. You know, we're, we're in there running a lot of workshops and, and working with people, training people, coaching people um, to help make all of that happen. How and do, uh, how do, satisfying work. 
how do organizations um, seek you out, or do you have to convince them <laughs> that they're due for a, a rethink? Um, do businesses get to a certain point and say this isn't working and then seek you out? Or is it the other way around? You let people know what's available and and convince them that that they need to consider it. Yeah, it's a bit of both. You know, I think when we describe what we do to a lot of business leaders, um, there's two kinds of people: people who you know intuitively understand how important you know culture is to creating results, and we tend to have you know that's it's easier to talk to those people because they they can see that linkage. There's other folks who, you know, say, hey, that, that sounds nice in theory, but I'm, I'm more about the, the hard numbers and that those, those folks take a little bit more convincing. But, uh, you know, some of the, the early work we do with organizations is we you know, do a discovery and we get into the organization and we run some surveys and, you know, do interviews and we sort of play back what's happening in the organization to these leaders. And oftentimes they, they start to see, you know, the connections between, you know, these fear-based patterns in the organization and, you know, their processes and where all the waste is and, you know, can start to see how, you know, addressing these fear-based patterns would actually lead to higher performance. So I'd say in general, you know, it's either an easy conversation or it takes some convincing, but people across the board do do see the uh, the, the benefits here. And part of the reason why we wrote the book was to to help more people you know, see the the upside and the potential here. Well, my guests are the co-authors of uh, Unfear, Transform Your Organization to Create Breakthrough Performance and Employee Well-Being. They are uh, Gaurav Botnagar and Mark Manukas. I think I said both of those right that time. Incredible time. Crushed it. Well done. I I want to thank both of you for spending uh, time with me and the uh, listeners this morning. Um, But I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about what we've been talking about and about your work, past, present, and future. Um, Do you have a website for co-creation partners? Absolutely. They can go to cocreationpartners.com, no dashes cocreationpartners.com and they can go to unfearbook.com as well if they want to learn more about our book well thank you both for spending this time with me and keep up the good work yeah thanks Tom really appreciate the conversation I love the questions and the back and forth take care and we'll have more of the Tom Sumner program straight ahead Armchair Politics is going to hell. Hell, Michigan, that is, and you are invited. On October 27th, Wednesday before Halloween, Armchair Politics will be broadcasting live from 9 a.m. to noon from the Hell Saloon in Hell, Michigan, near Pinckney. This will be our first in-person meeting of the Tom Sumner Program's weekly roundtable armchair politics since the beginning of the pandemic. Join me and roundtable regulars Flint's premier political pundit Paul Rosicki on the left and longtime Genesee County Republican Henry Hatter on the right, plus more on Wednesday, October 27, 2021, starting at 9 a.m. at the Hell Saloon. Armchair politics is going to hell, and you can too.
Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Lions, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination, a COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine, and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can, keep wearing masks correctly, and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19, and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. Start your weekend early with the Tom Sumner Program every Friday live at 11. We turn the spotlight on the world of arts and entertainment featuring artists from music, TV, and the movies. Catch everything from the rich local talent pool in and around Flint and Genesee County to up-and-coming stars of stage and screen, plus legends from New York and Hollywood. Hi, this is Greg Nagy. Hey, this is Hoppa. Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Lions. Hi, this is Alexander Zonjic. Hi, this is Mark Farner. This is Maurice Davis. Hi, this is... This is Rochelle Ray. Hi there, folks. This is Sweet Willie T. Hey, this is Steve from the Nashville office. I'm Gwen Pennyman Hemphill. Start your weekend right. Go to 11 Fridays on the Tom Sumner Program. Those hands, no matter whose they are, can spread the germs of many common diseases. That's why I want you to realize how important it is to keep hands clean, to wash them regularly and always before meals with Life Boy, which not only removes dirt, but helps to remove germs. Teach the children this habit. Form it yourself. Always use Life Boy for hands and face as well as the bath. America, your children have an amazing superpower. That's right. They can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing! Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. W.H. Weiscarver, a recent guest on the show, has pledged 50% of the proceeds from his book Twilight of Empire from sales between October 1st and October 31st to support the Tom Sumner program. W.H. Weiscarver, a former National Security Advisor and counsel for the U.S. Senate Armed Services Committee, pulls no punches, fusing history with political intrigue in Twilight of Empire, the third of four planned novels in the Resurrection Saga series. W.H. Carver's book, Twilight of Empire, shows that the U.S. has all the wealth, science, and resources to solve every issue we face today. Twilight of Empire by W.H. Weiscarver is available on Amazon and Apple Books. For more information and to support the Tom Sumner program, visit whyscarver.com.
www.thetomsumnerprogram.com Hey, this is First Ward City Councilman Eric Mays, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Spotlight on the Tom Sumner program. 
um, coincidence this past week. There was a um, movie on bomb disposals in Germany. And, and then there was an item in the paper about this plane was flying along and somehow a, a bomb came loose and fell. It didn't explode, it landed, and they had to send out an expert team to uh, disarm the bomb. And it's always a, an expert, courageous team of men who disarm these bombs. And I got to wondering what would happen if a team of non-experts uh, <laughs> ever tried to disarm one of these bombs. And I picture a small coastal city, very small coastal city with a beach, and uh, we see the police chief, he's sitting in his office, and he's expecting nothing more uh, than a phone call from one of his patrolmen on the beach. And I, I think it'd go something like this. Yeah, yeah. hello. Uh, Lieutenant Stevenson here. Patrolman Hackmaster. Oh, hello, Willard. You're, uh, you're a little late reporting in, aren't you, Willard? You found a shell on the beach. You, uh, you think that's unusual, do you, Willard, finding a shell on a beach? It's, it's not that kind of shell. What, what's the matter, Willard? Doesn't it sound like the ocean when you hold it up to your ear? Oh, that, that kind of shell. Well, I'll tell you what, Willard, I'll send somebody out in the morning. And we... Oh, is that right? Gee, I was uh, kind of hoping that was your watch making that noise, Willard. I'm, uh, I'm going to give it to you straight, Willard. Uh, you, you got a live one there. <laughs> don't, Willard, don't hang up. Don't. That's an order, Willard. And, and stop that whining. <laughs> uh, now, you're perfectly safe, Willard. There's nothing to worry about as long as it's ticking. <laughs> uh, when it stops ticking, that's, that's something else again, Willard. Now listen, Willard, get control of yourself. Now, you and I are going to disarm that thing. I I've got the instruction manual. Well, no, I'm, I'm not coming down there, Willard. I <laughs> well, I mean, I just can't leave the office any time I want to, Willard. No, don't bring it in here, Willard, no! <laughs> uh, look, Willard, I'm taking just as big a chance as you are. I mean, this is my responsibility. I mean, if that thing goes off, it's me they're going to want to talk to, not you, you know. Uh, all right, now, Willard, uh, describe it to me. Uh, it sounds like some kind of torpedo, Willard. It m must be one of ours. Are, are there any markings on it? It says made in Japan, huh? Now, well, it still could be one of ours, Willard. Is, is there a serial number or anything like that on it? X53L7. Let, let, let me look that up, will you? Just a minute. Oh, boy, you found a beauty there, Willard. <laughs> you, know, you know how powerful that baby is? Six city blocks, Willard. <laughs> what do you mean you call me back? There's a telephone booth seven blocks away. Willard! Now stop that whining, Willard. Willard, I know this is dangerous, but if we can save one human life, that's the way you feel about it, huh?
Well, I get control of yourself now. Listen, well, according to this, there's a... Uh, how long has that thing been ticking? About five, six minutes, huh? Uh-uh. No, nothing, well, there's nothing. No. Now, we're just going to have to work a little faster than I thought. But, well, according to the manual here, uh, about six inches from the, the tail end of it, th there's a plate there. Yeah, and it's held on by four screws. Now, it says, uh, this is very important. This, this plate uh, should be removed with an LT-507 screwdriver <laughs> with a, a plastic handle and a demagnetized head. Yeah, you don't have one, huh? <laughs> I'll use a coin then, Willard. Okay, you got, you got it off, Willard? Okay. Well, that thing is sure is complicated in there, isn't it? I can't make heads or tails out of this. <laughs> no, don't worry, Willard. I'll get that, that thing fixed if it's the last... We'll, we'll take care of it. Don't worry about it, Willard. <laughs> Listen, uh, Willard, uh, there's kind of a little... Uh, oh, hoochamajigger in there. Uh, a wheel of some kind. Uh, why, why don't you... Try turning the wheel, will it? Well, I, I don't know. Turn it to the left, see what happens. Yeah, I, I can hear it now, Willard. It's ticking a lot faster, isn't it? Uh, you, better, you better turn it back, Willard. Okay, let's see. Uh, uh, listen, there are two wires here. Uh, it says here, under no conditions... Oh, somebody spilled coffee all over this thing. Well, one is kind of a... A grayish blue, and uh, the other one's kind of a bluish gray, Willard. <laughs> uh, Willard, who are you talking to there? A little boy. Willard, get him out of there. If, if that thing goes off, we're... He says it's his. <laughs> it's a toy torpedo. Willard, let me talk to the kid, will you? He ran down to the beach with it. Willard, I think you better come into the office. We ought to have a little talk. You hung me up here for 10 minutes because the kid... What was that noise, Willard? The, the toy torpedo just sunk a fishing trawler, huh? <laughs> well, it's all right, Willard. It's out of our hands now. It's in the Coast Guards. Right, goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program. show down here. It's a Tom Sumner program, don't you know? Go on. Go on, get out of here. <laughs>